Hello and welcome to episode number 50 of Golf Pod Kentucky presented by KT Tape. This is Ethan Fisher and Jocelyn McGann coming at you. Jocelyn, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, just dandy. We've got John Mullendore on this edition of the podcast and we have him on at this moment in time with the 108th edition of the Clark's Pump and Shop Kentucky Amateur coming up next week. John and his crew down in Bowling Green have been hard at work making sure that the 156 players competing for the oldest trophy in Kentucky golf are going to have a great experience. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff with John, going from stuff regarding his career to items with the golf course in terms of how it will play this week and just some of the negative occurrences that have happened through Mother Nature at the club in the last few years. Before we get to that, let's talk about some things that have happened within Kentucky golf in the last few weeks. Last week, we had our first major of the Kentucky PGA Junior Tour season with the Kentucky Junior PGA Championships. The girls and nine-hole boys competed at the University Club at Arlington, and our overall girls winner for the year is Catherine Brown. She will be going to play golf for the University of Kentucky in a couple of years. She is one of the nicest girls around and also a very fierce competitor. She shot grand total score of even par 144 in regulation, which got her into a playoff with Macy Brown, who is a past podcast guest, and also no relation, just a coincidence that they both share the last name. But Catherine, as I said, won the girls' overall competition after getting that playoff. Morgan Kennedy won the girls' 13-15 division. And then Grant Gutig, Carol Ann Mendenhall, Paxton Fuqua, Kylie Miller, and Reddick Johnson round out the winners from other divisions at Arlington. And then one day later at Gibson Bay Golf Course, Zach Watterson became our overall boys champion for 2022. He was one of the three players who finished tied for first in this very tournament in 2021. This time he was the sole person to come out in first place, and he got the win after recording a total score of 140 or 400 par. Zach and Catherine will now be heading to the National Junior PGA Championships in August at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club in Chicago. Joining them with automatic spots for for that tournament guaranteed is Macy Brown, who again finished second to Catherine, and then Clay Pennegrass, who finished one shot behind Watterson. And then also at Gibson Bay, we had Will Judd winning the boys 13 to 15 division. He had a very successful week on the way to a pretty dominant victory of about six or seven shots. And he also had a hole in one during his performance. So a very good week for Will. But congrats to each of those players who we mentioned. And thanks to everyone who came out and helped make our first majors of the junior tour season a very good week. We had our latest state championship on the amateur side of things take place at Danville Country Club a few weeks ago with the Kentucky Senior Team Championship. Our winners there were the pairing of Davis Boland and Rodney Chancey. They won by a couple of shots, and Davis also recently qualified for the U.S. Senior Open, so he is clearly playing some good golf right now. But congrats to Davis and Rodney for getting that victory. And then also on the front of news within our major championships. We are excited to announce that the Kentucky Women's Open next month is going to be broadcast live. This is something that I'm extremely excited about. My Town TV, which is a group based in eastern Kentucky and Ashland, if I'm not mistaken, reached out to us and wanted to inquire about 
if this was something we'd be interested in, and the answer was a resounding yes. So during the tournament at Belafonte Country Club on July 11th and 12th, we will have streaming of the tournament both those days through MyTown TV. They have an app that you can download on Roku or Apple TV. You can also watch it through your phone through their app. And then they'll also have streams going on their social media. So you'll have unprecedented access to the Kentucky Women's Open, whether you live in Ashland, Paducah, or Bowling Green, wherever you find yourself, you'll be able to watch and it will even be available outside of Kentucky as well. So all across the country, people will be able to tune in and that will be a really nice touch for that tournament in a month's time. Registration is now open for our biggest KGF fundraiser this year. The Youth on Course Kentucky Pro-Am presented by ISCO Industries will be at Valhalla Golf Club on Monday, August the 1st. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that this is a very key day when it comes to us generating funds to support Youth on Course, which enables kids to play golf for about $5 or less at golf courses all across the state. It also feeds into our caddy program. So a lot of a lot of big things come through this event and your participation. If you are interested in participating, we would greatly appreciate you coming out. And you've got about one month's time to register for the event. It is about mid-July when you need to have your registration submitted. But Find a few friends, one pro, three amateurs, and we hope to see you at Valhalla on August 1st for that tournament. Now then, the Clark's Pump and Shop Kentucky Amateur, the thing we talked about at the top, this is what we'll be talking a lot about with John, and we've got a lot of content coming your way to get you ready to go for the first round of this tournament, which kicks off on June 14th. We've got a course tour video of Indian Hills, so if there's some unfamiliarity with you in the golf course. You can watch that video and get a picture in your head for a few golf holes that we talk about with John later in this episode. And then we're also going to have bios for each of the 156 players competing in the tournament ready to go. And then we'll have a preview go out the day before the tournament just to get you set up with all the nitty gritty details of this championship. But without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome the host professional of this year's State Amateur, John Mullendore. It is my privilege to now welcome John Mullendore, the head golf professional at Indian Hills Country Club, onto Golf Pod Kentucky, presented by KT Tape. John, thanks for coming on. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, appreciate the opportunity, Ethan and Joycelyn. Thank you for having me. And like I said, my first podcast and look forward to talking some golf and some Kentucky Amateur Championship with you all. Heck yeah, we've got a uh, lot to discuss, and let's start out with some conversations that revolve around you, particularly what your upbringing was like and kind of what drew you to golf. Sure, I grew up in Bowling Green. My dad was a good athlete, played college baseball at Western Kentucky, and um, we always played baseball and basketball growing up, and he got me into golf age six or seven, so um I normally just rode in the cart and kind of observed, and then I jump out and hit a few shots. But uh, I think for me, what really changed the the game for me was the Kentucky Junior Tour started in 1991. I was 11 years old, and the competition got me into it. You know, the chance to compete with a points list and a Player of the Year and win a trophy. So uh, Brandon Neal was a tour director then. He was from Bowling Green, and um, that's what really got me into golf. So then I had to make a decision: was was it going to be baseball, 
for me or golf once I hit about 13. And luckily I chose golf and uh, it's really opened up a lot of doors for me. So you said like how you got into golf, but how did you get into the golf industry? I was fortunate to get a part-time job at Indian Hills Country Club when I was 17, taking care of outside services, carts, driving range. And we had an amazing golf professional named Don Barber. He was a PGA member. He had been at other facilities in Michigan and Florida, but he dropped, he brought a sense of class and hard work and I always admired him. I worked for him for seven years. So he showed me the business. He showed me how to treat people and to, uh, he always said, we're going to work hard, but we're going to play hard. We're going to have a good time. We're going to take care of the members, but we also have to make time to enjoy the game. He always played twice a week with members. And um, so that's what kind of got me into the industry was, was Don Barber, actually. Did you work at any other golf courses or was Indian Hills the first and only one for you? Indian Hills is the first and only one. Um, I did work at Houchins Industries, which is a grocery store down here when I was uh, – 16 years old and stocking shelves and bagging groceries. But once I got that job at the golf course, I never looked back. That's this, I guess for the last 24 years, Indian Hills is the only W2 I've had from any employer. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I feel like you're in a very small minority of golf professionals out there who have worked at just one golf course. So do you have any regrets per se about maybe not going to other places or what's the dynamic like when you've been at one place for as long as you have? Definitely missed out on some um, opportunities to learn. Um, I have a fantastic assistant pro named Jacob Shakat and he went to the PGM program. And of course with that, you do internships throughout the country and he's worked at, I believe eight or nine different facilities. So he brings a lot of good ideas when it comes to staging an event, you know, tea gift options, amenities we can offer to our members you know i missed out on some of that you know i, I and honestly i was only an assistant golf professional for six months so i mean i kind of went from outside services to pro shop guy to assistant pro and then all of a sudden head pro at age 25 so i missed out on some of those opportunities to uh to to learn from other mentors other golf professionals so that's why i'm always looking asking talking to fellow peers and uh trying to get ideas for things we can do at the club gotcha now I know you love Indian Hills, and this is a completely non-biased point of view. I'm not just saying this since you're on the podcast, but if I were going to rank my favorite golf courses and the facilities in the state, Indian Hills is without a doubt a top three for me. So I can understand why you and many others have come to Indian Hills and become attached to it. So in your words, what is it that makes your club so special? The property is pretty unique. Um, the river runs along holes three and four. Um, it's got a lot of terrain, that up and down, rolling hills. The new clubhouse, of course, as you've seen, is state-of-the-art. Um, and, of course, at the end of the day, we're a, we're a neighborhood, small community-style club. So there's some nice neighborhoods in the vicinity where you can drive your personal cart. It's always had that you know, neighborhood feel and good people, working-class people that want to have a good time, want to play golf. The golf course continues to get better. I think that's one of the things that's made me excited about staying here for the long term is it just continues to improve with the Bermuda grass greens we put in. The uh, We've partnered with an architect, so there's going to be some good things coming down the road as far as practice facilities go, as far as some changes on the golf course. So I think the direction of Indian Hills over the next three to six years will be, be really impressive what we can do. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's great to hear. And the last several years, 
y'all have kind of had your hands forced. You've had to innovate and be resilient even when you might not have planned on it. Um, going back to December 2019, it hasn't been the easiest stretch for y'all per se, but uh, let's start out with what led to that new clubhouse and the, the fire that took place uh, in December of 2019. What exactly happened and how did y'all have to recover as a result? Sure. December 7th, 2019. I'll never forget it. Um, major fire destroyed our clubhouse. Total loss. I mean, complete loss. So a lot of good people came together. I'll say that a lot of members that were in various industries from obviously insurance to construction to to all types of different walks of life. But I felt like we we made strides to to move forward immediately. We met at a bank. In a, in a conference room to start talking about what are we going to do and that started with trailers being delivered so we worked out of some trailers we had a bigger trailer for our office staff we had a small foreman style trailer for me and my assistant at the time and um you know we we kind of had fun with it in a way we all we did was we pulled up carts every day and i'm here i am running this golf course out of this small trailer and i kind of got we got back to playing golf more we pulled up carts and we worked open to close and just kind of made the best of it and we had really good people, and that's when Jacob Chicot joined my staff, and me and him really gelled as a, as a unit, as a team. And then I had some great outside staff kids that made it fun. So that's when we transitioned to the cart barn. The cart barn opened up in April, so about five months later after the fire, we were able to operate at least out of a building, you know, small building, but we made it work, and we were in close quarters, and um, we made the best of it. And then, of course, that was when COVID hit, so. We didn't lose out on a ton on maybe food and beverage because not you couldn't allow anybody in your food and beverage operation anyway. Everything was outside or, you know, it was a weird deal. But we, we played golf. We had fun. We got through it. And then, of course, the next year, COVID died down a little bit in 21. So we we ran a lot of events out of a small venue and uh, we got it done. I don't know how we did it, but uh, we did. And um, we've had good people. We had a leader come on board with us, too. Our general manager, Ken Crowder, he's a PGA member as well. And heavily decorated one at that. He's a former professional year in the Tennessee section, but uh, he's been a great leader and he is an excellent serviceman. He really takes care of our membership and will do anything for any member on this property. And I've learned a lot from his, is the way he carries himself. So it's just been a culmination of good people. And uh, a lot of good people came together, obviously on the construction of the building and the insurance process and everything, but it, we really um, have been fortunate to come out this way on the other side of this. So December just seems to be a bad month for Indian Hills because this December you y'all had a tornado. Um, what was the damage done and how much manpower was necessary to clean up the process or the. Sure. Yes. We got hit again in December by an EF three tornado that hit a lot of Bowling Green and our club, as far as the damage entailed, I made a list here, 200 trees, we lost a bathroom on hole number 12 next to the T that's already been rebuilt. We lost the, the back part of the roof to the cart barn that had to be replaced. Our maintenance facility had roof damage and some other damage along the lines there. Um, we were without power for four to six days, no phones for probably a week. So it was a mess. And when we got here that day, it happened on a, a tornado hit at about 1 a.m. So when we got when daylight hit at about 6 a.m. on Saturday, I, of course, I checked on my parents because their neighborhood got destroyed. Luckily, their house was livable. But anyway, it was overwhelming. Then I went and came over here. Once I saw they were safe, 
I came over here and it was overwhelming. Like the the way the trees were just wrapped around each other, it looked like a rainforest. Like you couldn't get through fairways. There was so much debris and mangled trees and stumps and roofs from other houses that had blown in. So it it was very overwhelming. So um, the main push started on Monday of that two days later where we had 50 to 75 volunteers from staff to members to you name it with chainsaws, trailers, and we start picking up stuff. And then the big stuff, we'd get to a chainsaw and we'd use a tractor or something to pull it out. And we had a Bob McLean, our superintendent had some contacts. So we had some industrial chipper, well, you chip up some pretty good size debris. We used that so much. We ran so many limbs through that thing and then trailers brought in and then, and even people that physically couldn't help, they brought us lunch. Um, there was a day, I think it was on Wednesday. You're talking it's December, but it was like a 65 degree day. And we got done at, at sunset for the day. You know, we'll come back tomorrow and start over. But uh, a member brought up a, a cooler beer. So we all shared a beer together and at the sunset. And I won't, I won't forget it. It was just kind of a cool, a cool moment to know that, hey, we're going to be all right. We got good people around us. So uh, anyway, I just we just seem to rally around each other around this place. So that's what's been really cool about Indian Hills. And that's why we call it the the tribe. So special place. Yeah, I think I think that's a good part of the reason why I've always been so impressed with what you all do there. And I, I really don't think it can be understated just how devastating that damage was because the week after the tornado hit, my fiance and I, we went down to Nashville and while we were going down, we just decided to go through Bowling Green just to see the damage for ourselves. And we went down Indian Hills Drive and I'll, I'll never forget the sight of when you go down that road and you see like a 16 green. It's the first part of the golf course you see on that road. And it takes a lot for me to get emotional. Like I usually pretty, uh, pretty solid and stone faced, but I got a little choked up just seeing how bad it was and the, amount of damage there was but you the members your maintenance staff you all deserve so much credit for how you've handled that whole process thank you um you couldn't have said it better man it is emotional and then even when we come in now where it's it's cleaned up but it's it's barren you know but um i'm excited about what the future holds and what we can do to improve the golf course and we have a lot of good people on our board and a lot of visionaries that uh, i think have some excellent ideas and especially the architect we're going to use and uh, so anyway i think we're gonna look at it as an opportunity to get better yeah yeah and i know you said that this wasn't just a a you award and it was a more than yourself which certainly true but you were rewarded with the deacon palmer award earlier this year from the kentucky pga as a result for so much of what's happened with you and your club these last couple of years and for those who don't know this award basically is in recognition of an individual who's overcome a lot of obstacles lately and you and the indian hills membership and staff have certainly been uh, at the forefront of that these past two or three years I, I know it meant a lot to you to get it uh what were the emotions like surrounding that award and how much it meant to you as you can tell i'm kind of an emotional guy um even my speech accepting that award on behalf of our club i got a little choked up but um I think it symbolizes what we've accomplished as a group. You know, I've got the award proudly displayed in the main part of the golf shop, so all our members can see it. And um, it's a very unique award. I was extremely humbled to get it. But uh, 
just kind of makes when I look at it every day, I just like, man, all the stuff we've been through. But I know it's cliche, but it was a complete group effort on everybody's part to get us to this point and very humbled and proud to receive that award. So that, that was pretty cool. It was, it was very well deserved. Um, I don't think there's anyone who deserved it more than you all did. And I'm certainly glad you got it, but let's Thank move you. forward with some happier stuff. Now we'll put the right. sad stuff in the rear view mirror. <laughs> let's talk about the, uh, the state amateur coming up. It's the first time that Indian Hills is ever going to host it. And, this is going to be my fourth stadium here, and I'm pretty confident in saying that of the clubs who have hosted it, you guys are by far the most excited about it and just can't wait to dig right in and get to this first round on Tuesday. So what's the general excitement about the club hosting this? It's a big deal, and uh, the way you all are going about it, it's uh, very clear that this is going to be a fun three days. We're very excited. We just had a very good staff meeting an hour ago, all the department heads and what we're expecting and what we're trying to accomplish next week. But uh, I think we're just excited about showing off our club. There's not a lot of people, I shouldn't say not a lot, but I think of this field, I bet over half of them have probably never been to Indian Hills Country Club. So I'm excited yeah. to show them what we have here, Our not only our facilities, but our membership. Bowling Green itself is a great place. Um, we're excited about Monday night. We're having a reception that's open to players and members. Uh, complimentary food that we're going to be putting on a beautiful buffet by our chef, Sean. And also, we'll be having a fun little contest. We'll, we normally call it Splash for Cash. We'll call it Splash for Gift Certificates. We're going to give out some, some shop credit. But um, players will be able to qualify as they play their practice rounds. What we do, we put a floating ring in the pond on what will be the 16th hole of the championship. And we'll have a mat on the ladies' tee where you can hit a ball into the water and try to land it in this ring. It'll probably be about a 75-yard shot into a ring that's probably not going to be much bit bigger than the size of like a desk. It'll be pretty small, but you'll pay $10 to enter the competition. You get three balls to try to hit it in there. And if you were to hit it in there, we'll have the finals at 5.30 p.m. on uh, Monday to go along with that reception. So I think it'd be a cool way to kick off the event. I've got some volunteers lined up to help us with driving range you know ball spotting just general running errands with ice and food and carts and i mean i know it's gonna be a lot to to pull this off but i had a good talk with mr armbruster yesterday he came down and um, he took a look at the golf course and uh, they seem excited the whole staff from kentucky golf foundation to golf house so uh it's gonna be cool i like watching golf i know there's i know i looked i've looked at the tee sheet i probably know 40 players in the field just from whether it's college players or acquaintances. And we have six members that, that are playing and they're all really good players that have qualified through either a member qualifier or um, like our club president, he qualified through the KGA run qualifier uh, on uh, on a Tuesday a couple weeks ago, Ben Wheeler. So he shot a round of uh, 71 or two and got in as well. So we've got a lot of good members that are playing. Um, I'll go ahead and recognize them. Ben Wheeler, Christian Tooley, Joe Hood, Nate Johnson, Shannon Hill and uh, John Lee. So all six of those guys will have a lot of experience with a lot of them are, are college players. And um, so we're excited to see these guys play and represent the club and also see what the, the rest of the state has to offer. I know there's tons of good players everywhere. And uh, I think what's cool about Indian Hills is not only will good college players obviously play well, but it's a place where you can manage your ball in a, 
a guy like old Tom Campbell can plot his way around here, maybe shoot a couple under as well. We're actually going to play a practice round this afternoon with Jason Cox and Tom Campbell. So uh, look forward to seeing those guys later on. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break from our conversation with John to talk about our sponsor, KT Tape. And for that, we're going to bring on Sophia Kennan, who is one of the best American tennis players right now. She's a user of KT Tape for multiple years now and one of their brand ambassadors. So check out what she has to say about KT Tape. My name is Sophia Cannon. I am 22 years old and I'm a professional tennis player. You know, I love the sport. I had a lot of fun at a young age. Of course, started at five years old. Obviously, as I got older, I knew that it's, you know, college or going professional and watch tennis, you know, when the Grand Slam was happening, I was always watching at home, you know, imagining myself being there. I was very fortunate enough to go to represent in the Junior Youth Olympics in Nanjing, China. It wasn't easy, it was hard, which was to be expected, but I managed to fight through and overcome those battles. And of course, physically, you know, fitness is a big key as well. KT Tape definitely helps me on court, you know, when I'm obviously feeling injured a little bit, it helps me support my muscle. And I've used it, you know, when I'm feeling sore, my injury, so it helps me protect it. And I've even slept with it. The more matches I play, the more sore I feel. So obviously I use KT Tape and it helps me recover quicker in matches and gets ready for the next day. KT Tape works for me, it'll work for you. You brought up watching golf, and there's a few holes I want to go through with you that I think would be good places to camp out and watch some golf for a couple of hours if you've got some time to spare. So let's run through a few of these. The first one I had circled is the par five second, which I believe is the longest hole at Indian Hills. Moves a little left, and it's got a, I don't know if it's technically a sinkhole, maybe 50, 100 yards short left of that green, but it's definitely a pretty big depression down there. With this hole, uh, how do you play it, and what are some of the things that you're going to be watching for when guys go through that? Probably one of the tougher par fives you're going to to find to make a birdie on. You can you can make par on this golf hole a lot, but you can also make a number. And the reason why is it's 600 yards, but you brought up you know the driving area is not fairly generous, but it's the second shot is where you have to make an extreme decision. Um, normally, what I'll do. If it's a little colder or the winter time and the ball's not going anywhere, usually I'll lay up short of that sinkhole area and try to just leave it about 150 yards. If it's running a little bit in the summer and I feel like I've hit a good tee shot, then I'll try to get it over that area where it'll leave me maybe 50, 50 yards to the green. You know, I've never knocked it on that green in two. I've probably been within maybe 10 or 20 yards, the best I've ever done. But I think where the fun starts is the green complex itself. It's a long, narrow green guarded by two bunkers, got a lot of undulation. It's a much easier hole with a pin in the front versus the pin in the back. I mean, you're going to see everything on this golf hole. If it plays firm and faster, you might see an eagle, but you're also going to see some sevens and eights because you've got out of bounds up the right. You've got that penalizing sinkhole down the bottom where there's tree issues there. And I'm with you. I think it's going to be a very pivotal hole, especially to start off around if you're going off the front side. Yeah, it's a make or break momentum if you start on one. If you make a birdie there, then – that's a really good four to make on a par five. I know a lot of times these days you make a four on a par five and it seems expected, but not in that case. That's a good hole to make birdie on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Par, yeah. par will not kill. You make three pars there in a the championship, I promise you, you'll be ahead of the field. I really do. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, you alluded to the fact that the routing is a bit different for this championship. The back nine is going to be in a different order than what it usually is. So, we're going to do this in the order of how it'll play for the tournament. 
So this is typically hole number 16, but it's going to be hole 13 for the championship. This is the par five I spoke of that goes alongside the driveways. You come down Indian Hills drive Um, of the holes that got impacted by the tornado. This is definitely at the forefront considering the amount of trees that came down, but it's certainly opened this hole up a lot more and it's going to play a lot different than it had 2021 previous. So what do you think is going to be the the way people go about this hole now? The tee shot is still a pretty fairly demanding tee shot. You know, from the back tee, it's about 580 yards. And the trees that are guarding the landing area are still there. There's a fairway bunker, probably 270 off the tee, that will catch a lot of golf balls. But if you miss it right on this hole, you're in you got a lot of well, you used to have a lot of trouble. I mean, now it's still gonna be some deep rough over there, but you will have some options to lay up. It'll be interesting to see. We have those newly seated areas down in the layup zone that, that are on the right and left side of the fairway. Whether we play that just part of the general area, whether we play that ground and repair, or whether we play that as a red, maybe penalty area. That'll be up to the obviously the rules official staff to come in this week and they can determine that. Um, you know, I think if we you could do it either way, I think it should be played as the general area or or a penalty area. I hate to see somebody just blow it way right in the in the the newly seat area and get a free drop out to the fairway. I think that would maybe hurt the integrity of the hole. But uh, the second shot is definitely way more open. It's not guarded by all those trees down there. So I'd say you will see a lot of balls up by the green in two, you know, especially if it's running. It's supposed to be in the 90s next week. So if it's firm and fast, the balls will run out pretty good. Next hole after that, another one that's been impacted by the tornado damage quite a bit. I think this might be the most exciting hole to watch given – how far some of these guys can hit it, but this is the 14th hole for the championship, usually number 17, mm-hmm. a shortest par four. This hole, I think maybe just in terms of perception, this is maybe the hole that looks the most different out there. So what's this one going to be like? We lost, shoot, 50 to 60 healthy 40-foot pine trees that guarded the entire dog leg. So it made it really difficult to drive the green. Honestly, now, though, if – the out of bounds goes all the way up the right side. So you have to carry the ball about 290 yards from the back tee to get it on the putting green. So still still a healthy shot with a driver. You leak it right, you're going out of bounds. And then I do, I would love to see this the left side of this uh fairway, which is all newly seated area. We've lost a ton of trees. I think it'd be I think it'd be cool if it was a red penalty area, just to make some players think a little bit more. I mean, obviously you could play it out of there. And there's basically these areas are gonna be dirt. There'll be some grass. I mean, they're just, they're still growing. You know, they're, they're still a year away from being healthy, all these newly seeded areas. We're trying to get, our vision is to have unmowed areas with fescue and different wildflowers and different things to, to make it penalizing if you were to hit a, a drive there. But uh, I'm with you. The green plec, green complex is really tough. There's, there's two significant levels to that green. Um, it could make or break you. I mean, it, it's, um, it's not a hole. It's going to be a gimme birdie. Even if you hit a great tee shot up there, it's not an easy up and down, especially to a back pin. I mean, a back pin will be way less birdies than if the pin's in the front. A back pin's really hard to get to. All right, and then the final hole in the course tour video we've got coming out in the next couple of days, this is the hole that you said is the best hole at Indian Hills. It's going to be the finisher for this championship. It's usually the 12th hole in the usual routing. but why is it that this is your favorite hole? It's definitely going to be one that is going to play above par, above par when it comes to averages, but it's a it's a good test. It'll be a good hole to finish on. 
the tee shot is demanding. I mean, you really need to place it in like a 275 area. I really think it's not going to be, it's a, it's a ball control style hole. It's a 435, 40 yard hole. Now we had a brand new tee that we had done professionally and saw it and it looks beautiful back there. And, you know, I think for the long hitters, it'll be a three wood off the tee for placement. And there's a huge hardwood, big Oak or maple on the corner that guards the corner of that fairway. So, you really need to hit it in the left center of the fairway to have a have a shot. And then the, the second shot is framed by two bunkers in, in front of the green. And it's a beautiful uh, kind of a theater. There's a there's a beautiful flower bed behind that green and also some great places for spectating where we can kind of have all the spectators around that green. We use it a lot for our member guest shootout and it's really good theater. It's just a well well done hole. You got to hit a good 280 T shot, and you're still left with 140, 50 yards to a small green. That you know, when the pressure's on, we'll see who can step up. And of course, there's out of bounds off the right side as well, with the driving range being out of bounds. So it, you've got to hit two good shots there to finish it off. If you're going to win this thing. Okay, so disregarding any bizarre weather that could happen at the state am, what would you estimate the winning score to be? Nine under. Say nine under par. That's a it's a very exact score. What's your methodology behind that? I think that if we can get the greens, I think we can get them. 12, 12 and a half centimeter firm. These guys don't play Bermuda grass very often. And you're not going to, it's a different way, you know, bent, you know, you've got to play for the spin. This is more of a one bounce checked style. If you get in the rough, it's hard to hold the golf ball. You know, I know guys are going to break par. You're never going to hide a, a golf course from these good amateur players, but you know, I think with the right conditions, I think we can keep it in single digits. And if somebody shoots 15 under, then my hat's off to them. But I really think that, you know, with, with, with being a par 71, you shoot 368s, I'd take my chances with that right now. I, I think that would be an excellent score and be hard to beat, in my opinion. Interesting. So you look through the tee sheet and you've gone through the field. Is there anyone who's jumped off the page at you is someone who you think could be the person holding the trophy come next Thursday? I did look through the field and there's a lot of guys that are very capable of winning and a lot of guys that are my friends. So I'm going to pick a particular style of player. I think <laughs> a ball control style player, you don't have to be overly long to play this golf course, but if you can control your ball, a good iron player, I think a grinder, it's going to take there's, – there's a lot of holes out here that are – you get some funky bounces with all the side hill lies and whatnot. You're going to get a couple bad breaks, especially if you miss greens out here. It's, it's hard to get the ball up and down. So I really think a guy that's good with ball control that can hit 14 or 15 greens makes it a lot easier. Um, creative around the short game area, you know, the putting and chipping. So, you know, I think, honestly, this place favors a guy that's going to fly it in the 260, 270 range off the tee versus a guy that flies at 300. It's just – that's almost too far out here. You just want to – that guy's going to have to bail back a lot of hybrids off the tee or driving irons or whatnot. But I think it's all about ball control on this golf course. Jocelyn, you want to take rapid fire from here? Sure. Um, what is the favorite golf course you've played in Kentucky? Idle hour. Awesome. Is it like, do you have a reason why, or is it just your favorite? I like old school golf courses. I think it's just a pure old school Donald Ross. And um, we were fortunate to play a couple of U.S. Open qualifiers there. And uh, Mr. Garvey was always real good to me when I came up. And uh, I just think it's a special place. I like the layout, how the shop opens right up there to the driving range. It's just, it's a cool place. Very cool.
Do you have a favorite golf course outside of Kentucky? Belfair Golf Club, Bluffton, South Carolina. Mm, South Carolina's got good golf courses. So what is your dream foursome and where would y'all play? That's a good one. Um, Pebble Beach. I've never been there, but let's play Pebble Beach. My dad. Tiger Woods, you got to say it, man. Um, and we'll make it a fivesome. My two grandfathers, my grandpa John, my granddad Ray. That would be, that'd be the one. It's yeah. a good team. All right, last question. Beach or mountains? Beach. Definitely. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Confident answer. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, John, we'll go ahead and let you go. We uh, we can't wait to get down there in a couple of days. It's hard to believe that the time has come, but we are very excited for the 108th Clark's Pump and Shop Kentucky Amateur, and it's most appreciated that you and everyone else at Indian Hills is as well. Like I said, we can't wait for it, but thanks for joining us and talking shop, and we'll uh, we'll see how well your predictions hold come next week. Ethan, Joycelyn, thank you guys. Um, always fun to, to do things like this, so I'd be happy to come back on anytime you want to do another podcast or anything. Um, it's a good time talking about the club and looking forward to the Kentucky Amateur next week.